And we are back. Pie to pie. All right, you clicked it. I'm here. Sensational, educational, and another fantastic conversation. This one with Roy Elam of Donna Jean, baby. We sat down at their Sherman Oaks location, had a great conversation about the build out and what a nightmare that can be. Talked about sourcing farm fresh produce, talked about why they expanded 200 miles away from their original Donna Jean, which is in San Diego. Roy takes us through his journey and Roy also happens to be a 20 year vegan. I'm also vegan. And so naturally we talked about plant-based cuisine. Roy is a great example of what vegan cuisine should be. Plant forward menu, very simple ingredients and just flavor bombs all around. If you want a good example uh, or a starting point of what vegan pizza should look like and taste like, uh, you should go check out Roy's menu. I'm still reeling from the cheesecake I had five days after this interview. Shout out my son Levi who crushed two of the bread appetizers, which is no small feat for a three-year-old. Anyways, when the bread is banging, you know it's good. If you're in Sherman Oaks, Southern California, San Diego, run, don't walk to Donna Jean. Go check them out. Roy, thank you so much for your time. You have a beautiful restaurant. Love, trust, pixie dust. I hope you enjoy it as much as I had having it. All the other things I say, rock and roll, Deftones forever. Hope you enjoy. We're back. We're in Sherman Oaks at The Donna Jean. I'm with my man, Roy. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Pie to pie. I like to start it off with a gift. Perfect. I know, I hope you don't have this one, but I know you like Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I do, I don't have this one. So there's a book. That's awesome. The man, the myth, the legend who loved vegans. He's totally loved them. He loved <laughs> vegans and vegetarians. So much. He was a, he was an outspoken truth teller. Exactly. Of, of the movement. <laughs> Anyways, rest in peace, the guy's a legend. I hope the book's I, good, I'm I sure I will say is. he was probably my biggest teacher, honestly. What, like when, when like Mind of a Chef and all that stuff was really popular, I, it kind of opened my eyes and made me think beyond the vegan world and like really focus on learning how to be a chef, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I remember reading Kitchen Confidential and just being like, dude, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously, it, w it wouldn't fly in any of those kitchens in 2023. No, but definitely not. <laughs> guy's been around the block. Yeah, for sure. Just, uh, he just seems like the coolest fucking dude in the world. He really world. did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, pie to pie, 15 questions. Yep. A little under a minute, over a minute. Who really cares anymore? No <laughs> one's, let's just throw it out the bag. This it. might be, you know, episode 13 where we, I even stopped saying this shit. But uh, <laughs> uh, that was the gimmick and uh, let's get this thing started. Yep. All right, first question. What attracted you to pizza and who ultimately taught you how to make it? Um, so pizza kind of happened by accident for me. Uh, we opened a restaurant in San Diego without pizza, and my partner said, I, we sh you should do it because we had a pizza oven in the restaurant, and we were using it for other things. So I just said, okay, let me learn. So I took about a month to just figure out a basic dough recipe and went for it. But then I started getting into guys like Bianco and Vetri and uh, even Media, and just started to learn. Um, but it was a lot of trial and error. There wasn't a lot of really good information out there, so I just started kind of figuring it out. I think the Jelena book, cookbook 
kind of put me on the right track to where I am now, where I just use very, very little yeast, as opposed to wherever all the recipes I've found before was like one packet of yeast to this much flour. And then I did that. And so as I started to scale up, I, my dough was going all over the place and everything. So yeah, I think just there were multiple teachers, but it was no one person that sat me down and said, hey, this is how you make pizza. Yeah. And when, when was that? 2017 is okay. when we, uh, so we, we opened in February and I think by like May or June, we were starting to, to do pizza. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've been, you've, you've worked in a fair amount. Of... Yeah. But I never did pizza professionally. Ever. No, no, never even touched. I was very scared of yeast for a long time. Okay. Yes. And until now, like I understand it more now. I'm no expert by any means. I'm an expert at Donna Jean pizza, but I don't know about anything else really. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you just like making pizza because you could have gone into other cuisine? Yeah, I do. I really actually, if I'm going to work the line, put me on the pizza station, I'm happy. I'll yeah. sit there and stretch dough all night. But, you know, as, as a trade, I'm a chef and I love to do every other thing. But I, I love the simplicity of pizza. I, I always say it's the most complicated, easy thing I've ever had to learn. Because there's just so much that goes into just like four or five ingredients. Time, temperature, all that kind of stuff. So learning all those things and just honestly learning how to do it in the most simple way. Um, so you're not messing anything up was probably the hardest thing to learn for sure. Yeah. You have owned two different restaurants yeah. in two different cities. Yes. Uh, why did you choose to expand so far away? So I used to live here in the Valley. I lived in North Hollywood. I lived in Studio City. I lived in Sherman Oaks. And this was kind of where I started my culinary career. So I wanted to come back to this neighborhood and do something. Actually, when we got this space, I was living right down the road here in Sherman Oaks. Uh, but then my wife and I ultimately decided to move back to San Diego. Um, but I was like, ah, I could still do it. And so I drive back and forth a fair amount right now while we're still building and trying to kind of figure this space out. But yeah, I was just drawn to doing something in LA because this was where I really started to take being a vegan chef seriously. So wait, you opened up Don Jean in San Diego and you were actually living in Los Angeles? Yeah, it's really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, my so partner I guess down the better there, question would have been like, why, why didn't you just open up here first? It, well, so it was the opportunity that was given to me. So my, my business partner, I actually worked for him uh, early 2000s when I first moved out to California. And um, so the first Donna Jean is actually in the first vegan restaurant I ever worked in. Um, and so they split it into two sections. And the second section they gave to another Italian restaurant that ended up folding. Um, and then he called me, he's like, ah, I have this space open. You want to come check it out? So I did. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And uh, I just came down and started and opened it and just kind of figured it out from there. Because I, I was working for Matthew Kenny at the time mm -hmm. and whatever I was doing with them kind of came to an end. So it was kind of a good point for me to just go back to San Diego and figure something out. And I will say, I'm actually really happy I opened in San Diego first. It's a lot more forgiving of a town. We really had a whole lot of time to really fall on our face a couple times uh, and really figure out who we were, what we were doing, because it's a smaller scene and they really want you to succeed, you know? Mm -hmm. um, not to say that LA doesn't want you to succeed, but there's so many other options. So if you kind of mess up that first opportunity, they're just going to go somewhere else. So yeah. it kind of gave us a chance to really find out who we were and find a solid concept before I tried to open in a much larger city. And has it, is it, has it been harder being in Los Angeles? I mean, it is niche because the food happens to be plant-based. Mm -hmm. Um, but has, are you a smaller 
smaller fish now. Like in San Diego, what's the what's the vegan scene like? It in San Diego, it's it's a lot of fast food, burritos, burgers, you know, fries, that kind of stuff. So we do stand out a little bit more. The only place that's kind of close to us is Kindred, uh, but they're a bar that has food, and we're a restaurant that has alcohol. Um, so we kind of stand out. Um, we also don't do any mock meats at all. So I think that stands out, uh, pretty heavily as far as a vegan restaurant goes. And it took a little while for people to catch on to what we were doing, but now that they understand who we are and what we do, I think they really appreciate it. Yeah. So, but here, yeah, I think we are a little smaller because, but in the Valley, there's really nothing like what we do, but it's not like in Los Angeles, there's nothing like what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a little bit tough up here, but we're figuring it out. Yeah. Okay. What is the biggest challenge cooking without meat and dairy? I don't know. Cause we, we've done, we've done a pretty good job of making our own analogs. So we, we make our own butter. We make our own cheese. We use, um, the processes, the same kind of processes you usually would use to make dairy stuff, to make the butter that we make and make the cheeses that we make and everything. So, um, having my, my, the chef that I had hired in San Diego to be kind of my sous chef and my chef de cuisine, he had just recently become vegan from working in a bunch of meat-based restaurants for a long time. So we kind of put our heads together and figured out ways of just not limiting ourselves and doing things that would, that would transfer over pretty easily. So I think the challenge was creating things that didn't exist to be able to make food that when somebody came in, they wouldn't be able to tell that it was actually vegan. Yeah. So I think that's where the challenge mostly arose was basically building something that didn't exist without relying on companies like Violife or Miyoko's. And they're all great companies, but our mantra was always make everything yourself. I think that's probably the best way to go. <laughs> you're, being, you're being very nice. Yeah. Some of that cheese is pretty gross. I mean, it is, but I, I'm happy it's there. Yeah. You know, I, I remember mid pandemic, I hadn't gone to any grocery store and I walk into Whole Foods. I'm like, man, what is all this stuff? I haven't, there's like 15 different oat milks on the shelf, like a thousand different cheeses. And those things didn't exist. Like it had been like six or eight or almost even a year yeah. since I had been into a grocery store because I just didn't want to go out. Yeah. And it was just amazing to me to see all the stuff that was on the shelf again. Then I'm going to, I'm going to take this opportunity because I don't always get to talk uh -huh. to another vegan chef. Okay. Um, <laughs> to maybe expand on this conversation. Uh, the, the products that are out there, uh -huh. um, sometimes I feel that they are doing more harm than they are doing good. Uh -huh. So when, when, when you come into a restaurant like yours, you know, I haven't had your food yet, but I can, I can tell pretty well that it's gonna be delicious. <laughs> okay, you're we using, plant, you're, plant, yeah. you're using uh, plant-based whole foods. Yeah. It's, it's food on your, your plate. You yeah. Know? Now, when you're using like a Violife or something that's a bunch of starches and oils yeah. and or meats of the same kind and somebody has their first vegan um, experience with that stuff, mm -hmm. don't you think that kind of, that kind of thing, it, it hurts? Uh, it, that, they, they might just write the whole plant-based community off from that one meal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's kind of the the idea behind why we don't use mock meats because I yeah. think that makes veganism look weird. Like, why why are you trying to do something that you say that you don't want to do? You know, I you know as as a 
Italian-based restaurant, we had to have some sort of cheese. Yeah. And I think that's somewhat forgivable. Yeah. Um, but our cheeses, you know, we, we reverse engineered, or I say we, but my they, my partner that does all the cheeses, we reverse engineered BioLife and everything without all the modified starches and all that. Those things that kind of make things tacky and weird. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why our stuff has gone over pretty well. Um, and we don't, we don't really push ourselves as a vegan restaurant. We just push ourselves as a restaurant and have people come in and sometimes they don't even notice until after the meal's over that they didn't have any meat on, or any animal products on their plate. So that's kind of been our thing. We've always wanted to be a good restaurant first and then we'll be a vegan restaurant too at the same time. No, I, I've noticed that in like the things that you've said and like how things are, are worded. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be. And like, if you come into this restaurant, it's not a bunch of stuff that says hundred percent cruelty free. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. Um, I don't know what your values are or, you know, if you're, are you, are you vegan? I've been vegan almost 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, but I think that it's important to I the movement so. yeah. to, to maybe not throw that in everyone's face because you, what you're doing is kind of silent activism. Yeah. I, I feel like my job and any vegan chef or, or anybody, I think our job is to legitimize vegan food as just food. Like it's just, I mean, we just get vegetables and we do as little as we can to it and we put it on the plate just so we can show people that they're delicious by themselves. Um, and that's again why I don't focus on like when the awards come up or whatever, it's like, I don't want best vegan restaurant. I think that's cool. But I think for us to be able to elevate vegan food into the mainstream, we should be shooting for best restaurant or or just getting into those, those spaces where like everybody goes. So like I, I, I'm looking to try to talk to people from like LA Weekly, LA Times, like that kind of stuff. Not that I don't think veg news is important, but it's kind of like a preaching to the choir kind of thing. So we're trying to get up above that so that we can drag the vegan community along with us. Yeah, because you're using a word uh, which I love is elevate. Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to spread negativity here. I just think that with the vegan community, mm -hmm. sometimes uh, a lot of that stuff that's winning is full of mock meats and fake cheeses. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's stuff that isn't necessarily going to be easily presentable no. to somebody that doesn't want to necessarily go full vegan themselves, yeah. but wants to enjoy the cuisine every once in a while. Yeah. And in reality, that's what it's about. You're not trying to convert people to, to veganism, right? No, you're, you're vegan for the hour and a half you're in here. Yeah. You know, and to me, I think just taking animals off the plate, at least for one meal a day is, is just as important as anything else. Yeah. Well, the way you're doing it, I think is, is, is important and the right way to be doing it. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, my opinion doesn't fucking matter though. So it does. Yeah. <laughs> it matters to me. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> so you're super all about sourcing yeah. like, um, local ingredients and, and not having things go to a waste. Mm -hmm. So tell me, how do you source your produce? Mm -hmm. Do you have like relationships with farmers? Like for anyone out there who wants to do this, like give me a play by play of maybe how would, how would somebody like me, just tell me how, how would I like be able to, if I don't want to use select produce or worldwide, yeah. I want to get closer to a farmer. What do I do? And how, how can I, how can I better maintain my food waste? So 
I, what I did was I, when I lived here in Los Angeles, I just went to the Santa Monica Farmers Market and started talking to people, finding people that had produce that I liked, tried to build a relationship with them and just order directly from them. So I took that same idea and went down to San Diego. And when I first got down there, I was like, man, this is much smaller scene. I would go to the farmer's markets there and I couldn't really find anybody until I met Mike from JR Organics, uh, which I just took my crew to uh, do a farm tour there yesterday and walked around and just showed them like, so we buy all of our lettuce from there, all of like get our spinach from there. Our, we just started, they started growing basil that we're starting to get from there. So it's, it's really just being able to go out, talk to people, form a relationship, see if they can even supply you anything. Um, in, in Mike's case, it was great. And JR Organics, they were already doing CSAs and they were start, they were doing some restaurants and some grocery stores. So I just got, was able to kind of slide into their delivery process they were already doing. But for me, I think that's really important too, because like, if you remember, we always have like these uh, salmonella or whatever outbreaks in the, uh, in or not salmonella, what am I thinking of? Whatever outbreaks you get in the, the spinach and whatever, and the romaine, but I get to tell my customers like, my stuff isn't grown there, it's grown in Escondido, we're fine, because those people aren't dealing with that right now. So once you know where your food's coming from, it's a whole lot easier to, to sell it to your customers and tell you exactly where it came from um, and just feel good about that. And also I get to spend where I, or I get to choose where I spend my money. So I like to show, throw it back in the community as much as I possibly can. Uh, as far as like food waste, I've heard you talk about like, yeah, we tried gra to grounding up like cauliflower leaves and making like a bolognese. Yeah. We've tried to do as much as we can, uh, dehydrate things, pickle things, ferment things. Like you can kind of kimchi anything, you can pickle anything. So we just try to do as much of that stuff as possible. I love, uh, any kind of like preserving, fermenting, pickling, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we, we, we do as much of that as possible. I, right now I'm in the process of trying to figure out what to do with all of our green onion stems, like the ends of it. Um, so I'm working on green onion kimchi, green onion pickles, like whatever I can do. We used to dehydrate it and turn it into a green onion powder, just whatever you oh, can do shit. to like stretch things out and not throw things away. Yeah. Or we have a little garden patio in, uh, or garden on our patio in San Diego, and we'll just take random things and just plant it and see what happens, you know? So we just, we were growing garlic like that for a little while. Just little things we, you know, it doesn't supply everything we need, but it's cool to just pull garlic that you just grew out of the ground and be like, yeah, we'll use this again too. Yeah, that's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. Just like from right from out front. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, any advice you can give on hiring or retaining awesome in, uh, team oh, members? Oh man, I wish I had some good advice because that's <laughs> so hard right now. I, the best thing I think you can do is like try to make people uh, feel like they're part of the team, you know? Um, and it still doesn't work all the time, but I, I just really try to make people feel like they're wanted and like, like they're a part of the overall thing that we're trying to build, you know? So, but I don't know, man, I, I can't crack that code right now. It's so hard, especially in the kitchen, just to keep kitchen employees around. It's been really, really difficult. And I'm, I, if somebody can tell me, I, I would love to know. Cause we just try to be nice and, and try We're not, we're not a military kitchen at all. I've yeah. never, I've never been that way. Um, I'm pretty soft-spoken around people, but uh, I try to get people to do what I need them to do and lift them up. And I'm always trying to think of, building somebody up so, so that they're better equipped to get to their next job, whatever that might be. But as far as retention goes, I don't know. If I can keep people for six months now, I'm happy, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry I don't have a good it's answer a cool for that one. It's a world out there. <laughs> it, it really is easy. right now. It is, it is right now. 
how do you spend uh, time between both the shops? Like how much and how much actual time are you spending cooking in the businesses these days? So right now I'm in LA at least once or twice a week. Um, and in San Diego, actually Sundays are pretty much my line day. I, I work on the line for brunch, mostly on Sunday. I pop in and out whenever they need me. Like I said, I love working on the pizza station. So on a busy Saturday night, I'll just show up and help stretch dough for a couple hours. Um, I try not to be the guy that's on expo because I want my kitchen to be able to run the, the ship without me there. So I just pop in and help as opposed to running the show because that doesn't really help me at the end of the day. I want to know that the place can run on its own, whether I'm there or not. Um, so yeah, I, I, right now I, I'm, I'm up here in LA a lot more. Uh, once this place stabilizes, maybe I'll stay in San Diego a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, I knew this was going to be like this at least for probably the first year or so while we're still trying to build and everything. Yeah. But I do like to try to be in the kitchen as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's just probably tough. It is. And I'm getting older. I'm closer to 50 than anything else at this point. So I can feel it in my back and my legs a little bit more than yeah. I used to. But I love it. I'm, I mean... I love the creative aspect of it, all the um, R&D, like we're, we're working on, getting ready to work on our summer menu right now. So just thinking about all the great produce that's coming up and everything. So that that's the part I love. But then I also love the execution and just trying to make everything as consistent as possible every single time. Yeah. A lot of hats to wear. A lot. Yes. What's, what's some advice on finding the right restaurant since you've now been a part of opening up too? So this one was a full build out and I don't think I'll ever do that again. It was too much. So I think moving forward, more of a turnkey would be great. Something that has most of what you need already and you can just get it, get it open with minimal time and effort. Um, I didn't expect this restaurant to be as big of a project as it was. So now I've learned from that. And if we do another one, I definitely will not do a full build out. That was too, too much money, too much time. LA does not make it easy. Lots of hoops to run, jump through. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to doing more restaurants in LA, but I definitely will find one that's a little bit more set up and not, not just like a, a blank canvas again. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is a huge space too. It really, yeah. It was, it was a much bigger beast than I thought it was going to be for sure. How, how big is San Diego in comparison to this? Um, it's about the same size, okay. although we have a giant patio. So we have less kitchen space, more dining room space. Got it. So you have, we pretty much have this amount of dining room, but outside as well. Okay. So this place seats about 70. That one seats a little over 100. And we, I think we can fit some more tables too, um, which we're probably going to end up doing pretty soon to, to keep up with the volume down there. Uh, what has been the hardest part of being a business, business owner, entrepreneur? Uh, actually learning the business side of things because I've just been a kitchen guy forever. So once I opened a restaurant, it was really just learning the numbers. And it was really interesting. I would ask people that had been in the business for years, just questions that I needed answers to. And they didn't really have the answers either, like labor numbers, food cost numbers, all that kind of stuff. So I just sat down and became like this Excel nerd for a while and just like really figuring out uh, the formulas and trying to find the best information I could on how to calculate food costs, how to calculate labor costs, figuring out our budget, all that kind of stuff. Because that's the, the, the un, unfun stuff that nobody ever really tells you about with being a chef. And I, I think if I was still just running a kitchen, 
I wouldn't think in those terms anymore because you just think about being creative and, you know, running your team or whatever. But now being a restaurant owner, I think about the whole entire thing and how it works together. So, uh, yeah, that, that was definitely the hardest part is, is just learning all the numbers because, like, I was not a math guy at all. And now I think I do more math than I do anything else at this point. What, what do you have a POS system that like really that you love or that like helps with this? We, we just started using toast in uh, San Diego and we're going to switch it up here in Sherman Oaks as well. And I think that's really helpful. Um, but as far as like, like inventory management software, any of that kind of stuff, I, I don't, I just, I use Google drive spreadsheets to do everything. Um, mostly cause I try not to take on too many paid products. And if I can just do it as free for right now, I'm pretty happy with that. Okay. But Toast has been great for everything we need, for sure. They they have a, I, we just did a whole Toast. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I think we'll change the Toast too. Mm -hmm. uh, hunger Rush, you suck. <laughs> uh, don't get Hunger Rush, whatever you do. <laughs> um, they have a whole thing, it's like called Ask a Chef or something for all oh, okay. your inventory. So like, let's, t let's talk, let's nerd out on this for a second. So okay. are you taking, are you, where are you pulling on your numbers and are you, are, and what are you putting into Excel? Cause I think like a lot of like what you're talking about, mm -hmm. what you just mentioned is talking to business owners. If you would have talked to me six months ago, I'd have been like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. My CPA does my QuickBooks. Yeah. I have a, I have a master ingredient list where I just go and it's, it's still a lot of manual work, but I'll pull all the current uh, prices and I'll, I'll do this like every quarter or something like that and pull the, the correct prices. And then I have those linked to all my costing sheets. So every time I change a price and it changes on that actual sheet. Okay. So I can keep my, my, my costing kind of as current as possible. Um, but yeah, it does take some, take some time to just sit there and do all that kind of stuff. And I, I have so many vendors cause we buy from a lot of smaller people. So yeah. that does take a little bit of work, but it's the way that I found the best without having an inventory software. So then it really, it's the setup time that's going to kill you. Oh yeah. Once it took a long set, time to set it's up. All yeah. set up. Yeah. Those numbers go in now and mm -hmm. Excel does the work. And I just let it, as long as you don't move things around, like move your columns around and everything, it'll just populate pretty yeah. easily for you. But yeah. I'm not a math guy either. Just thinking about it gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things, like when you get into a project like that, then you just like, you're in it and you just do it. So I think I spent a solid week just getting it all figured out. And now it's set, it's just set. And then I just kind of, kind of maintain it now. Do you have a, a bookkeeper? No. No? Yeah, that's one of the hats. Damn, dude. <laughs> I know, it's too many. Uh, I'm, I'm, we, so we did just hire somebody for here and I'm probably going to end up doing it for San Diego as well because I, I need to get some more things off my plate. Yeah. But for the past six and a half years, I've done it all myself. Damn. So yeah. do you use a payroll company? Yeah. Okay. Um, and you have a CPA? Now. Now you have a CPA? Yeah. Uh, my partner was doing our taxes for a while oh, for San Diego, damn, but we dude. just hired a CPA for this place and then we're going to, I'm probably going to do the same ones for San Diego okay. too. Yeah. Yeah, I think hiring a good CPA was life-changing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have one personally, but for the restaurant, yeah. I, I mean, if you can save a buck, I mean, they're also not cheap. Yeah, for sure. Okay, you teach pizza classes. I do. I just taught one last night. Are those something that you would recommend, like, other owner-operators to, like, create uh, other revenue streams? I think so. One thing I'm, I'm realizing lately is, like, the act of going out to eat isn't that exciting to people anymore. It's the events that would make people come out. So even here, we're not super busy yet, but I can sell out a pizza class 
with like 24, 26 people or whatever. So it's like the act of going out and doing something. So they're gonna learn something, whether they do it at home or not, it doesn't matter. They get to get their hands on the dough. They get to go back in the kitchen. It's like they're getting a peek into the, 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 the background of the restaurant or mm -hmm. whatever. So those are really fun. And it's a chance for me to actually meet our customers because I'm not a front of house guy at all. So I, I get to talk to our, our customers and, and get to show them a little bit of what we do. And even if they don't go home and make pizza, they at least have a little bit more respect for how hard it is uh, for us to do this day in and day out. The thing that trips everybody up is the actual stretching of the dough. So as soon as they get their hands on the dough, they think they know what they're doing, and then it just goes completely haywire. And I have to, I have still yet to figure out the, the most streamlined way to teach somebody how to stretch a dough that has never touched dough before. So I'm still working on that. <laughs> yeah, well, like it's like an it's all so alien. Yeah, they're like, what do I do with it? But yeah, this, I but I would say yes. I think the classes are great. So I do I do a pizza class and I also do a pasta class. Uh, the pizza classes tend to sell out a lot more. The pasta classes I do less often, but they're still fun. For a little bit more advice on that, are, like how in depth are you going in those classes? Is it like more of a fun thing to take it, go on a date or like, are you, like, yes. do you give them a recipe to take home? I or do. Like I do a recipe to take home. I give them a little outline. I've kind of cut back on the information over the last year or so of doing it. Um, now I give more of like an abridged version of like, this is how you make the dough. This is kind of flour. I do a little bit about baker's percentages. And then when we're all standing around the table teaching how to stretch, I'll give them a little bit more information and then they can ask me some more questions. Um, so they have some one-on-one -on -one time so that they, so a lot of people, when you're sitting in a group, you're, you're afraid to ask a question, right? Cause it's like being in school again, yeah, but yeah, yeah. once you're face to face, they'll have a more, a couple more questions and they're all like super interested. And then I send them back to the kitchen and my, I have two cooks that are there to help them too. And then they have more questions for them. So it's just like a immersive experience for them to do it. And are they putting pies in the oven? No, I don't yeah. let them touch it. I was like, that thing is 700 degrees. Do not touch yeah, that. Yeah, and putting it on a pizza peel and like. Yeah, yeah. So we, I teach them how to stretch. I put it on the peel. They take it back. They build it. And then my cooks put it in the oven okay. for them. Yeah. And then they you get ever, to eat their own creation. Have, so yeah, that's fun. And, and they drink some wine and stuff? Yeah. Some wine, beer, non-alcoholic, whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, Seems like, a, seems like a fun night. It really is. Yeah, it's a good time. You should yeah, come. You, I'm, I'm thinking about it, dude. Uh, I probably won't teach you anything, but you can at least come. Oh, I always got something to learn. I have, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, hey, sometimes I feel that way too. Do you ever, have you ever gotten like somebody who just like sauced up their pizza way too much and oh, it yeah. sticks? I try really hard to be like, before you go back there, less is actually more, whether they listen to me or not. It's, you know, to them, but I try to make sure. And then I always stretch a dough with them. So we always have a backup dough just okay. in case. So Smart we've had to use man. those a couple of times. <laughs> What's the biggest thing that keeps you motivated every day? Um, I actually really enjoy doing this. So um, I think that's a big motivator. And then also I don't have plan B. So that's also a really big motivator. Like this is just, this is what I do now. So it, it kind of lives and dies by me. So I just keep it going. Uh, keep dragging it along behind me because I, I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. Yeah. Um, I also don't know how I could work for somebody else at this point, being the person that is kind of like moving the whole thing along. I think it'd be interesting to go back into a role where I wasn't the one in charge anymore. Yeah. Not to say that I'm like, I have to be this dictator or anything, but it would be weird to not just be fully in control of what I was doing. Yeah. You ever think it would be just like fun to go work somewhere though for like a couple of weeks and like not be in charge? 
maybe I, I would always, I'm, I always think, you know, about going and staging at kitchens again and just learning, uh, if I had the time to do it, I would love to yeah. just like pop into like rustic Canyon for a day and just work for a little bit or, or whatever, you know, like somewhere where I could actually learn because I know I don't know everything and I want to keep learning. Um, that that's what keeps me motivated as well as knowing that I don't know what I'm doing fully. And I want to just keep learning new things and, and just progressing my own knowledge, you know? Yeah. Just get yelled at by somebody else. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes you need that. Like the, I think one of the hardest parts about being your own boss is nobody tells you no, and you can go down these really bad rabbit holes and nobody's there to stop you. Yeah. So uh, it's good to have somebody that can tell you no every now and then. My wife tells me no every day. <laughs> so many times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, without that, I'd, I'd probably be living on the street. That's a different <laughs> story too. Uh, what do you think a good estimate uh, of startup money for this kind of business model? This one was pretty expensive. I think you could, if if you did more of like the the turnkey, you could probably do it for five hundred or so, uh, depending upon if you had to buy an oven and all that kind of stuff. But if you found a place that had everything, you could probably do it for less. San Diego, we did for under two hundred thousand. Uh, this place was considerably more than that, but it was a complete build out. So yeah, yeah, that's it. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> considering how much space it is. Yeah. Um, is there a failure in your career you can share that taught you something, uh, that helped you grow? That's a tough one. I feel like I fail a lot, you know? Um, I know, I know when I was first starting to do pizza, there was so many failures. I had a bunch of pizza pans that I threw up against the wall that have dents in them now because I just couldn't figure out what I was doing. So I think it was good to going from being confident into completely uncharted territory and having to learn again. So I think that was great for me to just learn something that I was completely uncomfortable with and just try to figure out how to make it work. Do you have any advice on the marketing side of things? Do's or don'ts or what has helped your business be successful? Gram, email marketing? Anything? Yeah, I mean, we rely on Instagram a lot. Um, it's mostly just been organic, honestly, just lots of grit just being consistent day in, day out, word of mouth. Um, I think, I mean, I think that's been our, the thing that's helped us the most is just, just doing it that way. There are still people that don't know about us, uh, even in San Diego, and then we've been there for so long, but we just kind of keep going at it that way. Um, we're, we've tried paying for some things and ultimately it doesn't really work out. So just staying consistent keeping up on having new content. Um, I'm not really, I'm actually, I actually had like stopped social media for about a year and just recently got back on it. Cause like, it's just, all, you it's kind personally of too, weren't I, on it? Personally, yeah, just was like, man, that's too much. I need to focus on doing other stuff. But for the restaurant, you know, just try to keep content. I'll just take pictures and send them to other people and let them, I have somebody that runs, my director of operations actually also runs our social media. So I just send her stuff and she just does it for me. Do you recommend that? Yes. Yeah, having somebody else to do it is much better. Although you guys have really good content, so I would keep doing what you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if our content like leads to sales, you know? It's really funny though. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's fun, but I yes. mean, I, it's, I'm really interested to hear about like other people's like marketing strategies because yeah. I- We're honestly still figuring it out. Yeah. Um, what works in San Diego doesn't necessarily work in LA. So that's something that we're also trying to figure out like what what we need to do to differentiate ourselves 
uh, here in Los Angeles opposed to San Diego because it's just a different town. Yeah. So that's the learning curve that we're currently working on. Would you say a majority of the customers are from the Valley? I don't know yet. We've, we've got a good amount of uh, regulars now, um, but I feel like vegan restaurants in general are destination spaces. So in San Diego, we got people driving from Arizona. People come down from LA all the time um, and just like make the journey, you know, yeah. to come try something that they heard about. And I feel like that happens up here too. People kind of drive from all over to check things out, you know? Yeah. But the idea is just to be a neighborhood restaurant and serve the people around us. This is why I, we plopped ourselves right in the middle of a neighborhood as opposed to just being on Ventura Boulevard. Like I wanted to be right where people are because that's what we do in San Diego. We're right in the middle of the neighborhood. People can walk to our restaurant all day long. It's great. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a great location right off of Woodman. Yeah. The, the, the mall's right there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. You, do you think that it's harder marketing a a vegan restaurant than it would be a, uh, one that serves meat and dairy? I, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Because I don't feel like we're limiting ourselves, but other people think they might be limited coming here because they can't get meat or whatever, you know? So it's it's still kind of an uphill climb on some of that stuff, even though, you know, plant-based options have come a long way since even the early 2000s. Um, so, I mean, we're getting there. Yeah. And it's part of our jobs to kind of keep bringing it up you know have you ever had a customer come in here and sit down and then find out it was vegan and leave maybe once or twice usually we're able to get people like we're usually get able to get people to at least try something yeah that's why i think pizza and pasta works so well because yeah. there's very little explanation you know so i can sell somebody our lasagna and they're going to be happy yeah you know so we you're not going to be able to please everybody and i've accepted that but for the most part we're pretty good at it yeah. even with doing weddings a lot of those people's families are far from vegan and they're still stoked with the food that we put out so well it's interesting because it's like a again i'm i love get, getting on the vegan stuff but it's like a perspective change yeah and it and when you take uh uh matt the meat eater mm -hmm. you know loves meat yeah I, I ain't touching a vegetable but you put it in front of his face in a certain way or that person doesn't know yeah like whether they're at a wedding or a catering event and then they find out later and they're like holy shit yeah but it, that's why i talk about like the marketing aspect for yeah. you maybe because getting matt the meat eater in here yeah to to maybe have like the best pizza that he's ever had mm -hmm. is it's a struggle because yeah. there's a perspective change yeah i think that's why we just focus mostly on the food and we also try to focus on the processes a lot too. We show the food being made and all that kind of stuff. And we don't really go super hard on the vegan stuff because we don't want that to be the main focus. We just want it to be, hey, look at this good food that you can have. You know? Yeah, and like I said, it sh I mean, it shows. Yeah. You, you, know, so. you know you can look at like, you can look at certain, you can look at vegan pizza and be like, that's that's vegan pizza. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's, that, that's vegan. Because yeah. that, I mean, I've yeah. been around the block. That looks weird. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and that's not the case here, you know? Uh, thank you. Uh, do you have a favorite pizza person or book that helped your career in any way that you could share? Yeah. Um, I just recently got The Joy of Pizza. That one's awesome. Is that Dan Richter? Yeah. yeah. Super good. Um, and then also Mastering Pizza by Vetri. Uh, I learned a lot from that one too. And I think those two books specifically, and I think also what's the, um, like the elements of pizza 
or flower, water, salt, yeast, that those books kind of helped me just with the fermentation process, that kind of stuff, learning those things. And that's Ken Forkish? Yeah, Forkish, yeah. yep. Those I think helped me out quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, um, I, I don't know if there's any places like this in, in LA, but there's a place down in San Diego called Tribute Pizza and they have yeah. an open, pizza, uh, open Matt, kitchen. Matt Lyons. Yeah, so when I was learning how to do pizza, I would just show up and I would sit at the bar and I would just watch them work. And eventually I started talking to them and I talked to Matt and they were really gracious with their time and kind of helped me learn some things. Just even just watching their production line on how they do everything really helped me out a lot. So just basically spy on people. That's yeah, the best way to go. That's sure. great. <laughs> do it, you should do a tribute to tribute. I, you know, I thought about that. Yeah. They're I, so good. Yeah. I met him at uh, the Pizza Expo. Yeah. Very nice guy. Yeah, they're great. He made sure. a michelada that was out of the I Bianco. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Real tasty and 100% vegan. Yeah. So, uh, all right. The most important question yes. of this whole interview. Okay. Was the greatest band or musician <laughs> or artist of all I know. time? That's a tough one. I think about this question a lot because I've listened to your podcast a bunch and that's a hard question. I'm a huge metal metalhead, so like, I know metal bands aren't the best bands in the world to a lot of people, but- um, well, Fuck those people. <laughs> I'm a huge Deftones fan for sure, so oh, I'll yeah. just say that. I think that people call them the, the radio head of metal and I can see that for sure. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That's great. But there's also bands like Mashuga that don't get enough credit for basically changing the game. Same with like Helmet, you know, bands that kind of walked so everybody, or ran so everybody else can walk, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So I try to look at those like, the bands that you can see, like a, there was like a pre that, like if you think of country, it's like pre Willie and after Willie, you know, like those like kind of people. Before Toby Keith and then after Toby Keith. Maybe, yeah. That was, that was a joke. <laughs> yes. I will say there's some good country coming out too. I used to hate country, Jason but like Levine, dude. Uh, Tyler Childers is super good. Chris Stapleson's really good. Like those like kind of old, like they're going back to the kind of more outlaw country style. And there's a lot of cool stuff happening in hardcore now too, like Knock Loose and all those guys are kind of doing a bunch of really cool stuff. So I don't know, I'm, I have a lot of time in the car, so I nerd out on music all the time because it's the only thing I can do. Yeah. Uh, going back and forth from San yeah. Diego to here, probably plenty of time to listen. Shout out to Sleep Token. Those guys are awesome too. All right, Sleep Token. They're like one of those like mass bands now, but go stream that shit now. Yeah, so good. I could we could do a whole podcast just about music. Well, you're you come from a musical background, right? I do. We yeah, touch so on that before this is over. Music and food are so symbiotic. I was about to ask do you. Do you find because I do too? Do you find parallels in oh, absolutely in those things? Absolutely. I mean, writing a song is just like writing a recipe. Um, I look at it in a, like a collaborative form. You know, it's, I think running a restaurant and, and being in a band are very similar. I just don't get in a van and drive around the country. I just go to a restaurant and do the same thing pretty much. Yeah. And uh, so we're just creating and executing. It's the same thing we do in, in music, same thing that we do in the restaurant for sure. I just have a bigger team and uh, to work with now before, I, you know, it's a band of five people, but it's still like my idea becomes better because of the other people in the band. And I feel that that's the same thing about Donna Jean. My ideas only get better when I work with other people and have them interject their ideas and, and philosophies into what we're doing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. What did you play? I play guitar, yeah. Still, we're actually working on getting, maybe doing some shows this year, which will be fun because I haven't played a show in 10 years. So that'll be fun. What's the band? We're called The Material. 
the material. Yeah, we never signed to a label or anything, but we toured pretty solid for a couple of years um, and uh, had, a, had a lot of fun doing it. So we're gonna, this will be the 10 year anniversary of the last record we put out. So we wanna play some shows, at least a couple just for fun. Right now it's like a super low stress thing, yeah. which is great. It's like the only non-stressful thing in my life right now is to just go play fun music for a little while. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, everyone needs a little release. Exactly. So I, I, for the three hours that we're rehearsing, I don't think about anything else, which is really nice. Nice. Yeah. It's hard to do that. It really is. It's yeah. hard to stop the brain from taking <laughs> it's super always hits, yeah. some kind of problem or yeah. text message coming in. It's funny because I always see myself as a firefighter more than a chef. I'm always putting out fires yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes a cop. It, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I learned a lot. Sorry, it was more than 15 minutes. Oh, no, it's perfect. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad it was just below an hour, you know? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think it was perfect. Yeah. Where do we go to get in touch? So on Instagram, we're uh, Donna Jean Official. And then the website is uh, DonnaJeanRestaurant.com. And that has uh, both restaurants on there. Perfect. Yep. Go get in touch. Roy, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much. Had a great time. Yeah. Coming to Donna Jean, San Diego or LA. We're out of here. Pie to pie. Thank you.